back to Biohacking with Brittany. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited that you're joining. If you are new, this is a podcast that focuses on making biohacking affordable and accessible for everybody and really just has a diverse group of guests on talking about reaching optimal health in different ways and, and really what that can mean. So I kind of I kind of bring on people who are experts in their field, but it's all health related, but it can be anybody from, you know, CEOs of different health companies like the woman I have on today or naturopaths, chiropractors, nutritionists, scientists, really everybody. So it's a very diverse collection of people and I'm always looking for new people to come on. So that's really exciting. I am in Vancouver right now recording this, which is also exciting. The guest I have on today is from Vancouver as well. Her name is Vanessa DeWall. I don't know if I said that right, but I think I did. So she is the CEO and founder of a company called Floca. And Floca is basically an app for your phone that correlates different health measurements and shows you different trends, maybe points of interest so that you can take that data and move forward and make changes. So for example, if you're tracking your sleep and you're tracking your fertility cycle, or if you're tracking your nutrition or your caloric intake, it will show you the different relationships between those things. So maybe some nights that you sleep better, you've actually had more calories or less calories and it really can correlate anything which is really incredible so it's probably the best female biohacking app out there right now it's one of its kind and i've never seen anything like it and it's really exciting that i was able to connect with her last year and then she came on the podcast this year and it's it's really been amazing so vanessa is really something and definitely look at that app if you're looking to not self-diagnose, but kind of become a bit more aware of certain things that are happening to you and certain symptoms that you're dealing with that you might not necessarily understand. It's pretty interesting because it might relate things in a way that you did not expect or did not realize, or might help you get to the root cause of the issues that you're dealing with. So it does everything from nutrition to fitness to sleep to your beauty routine to meditation to the products that you use everything so it's really like a very holistic health all-encompassing app so I'm quite a fan so today we definitely dive into Floca and the reasoning behind it and the development of it and why why Vanessa created it in the first place and kind of where it is and where it's going this year. So she definitely has some big things planned, which is really exciting. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think and subscribe. Okay. So I would love for you to dive into your health journey. I know it's one of many ups and downs that you've been through, but it also got you to biohacking and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. So I think it it started, I don't know if I was 12 or 13, I couldn't digest anything. And I was a healthy eater at that time, you know, like started researching, ate a lot of fiber, went to my doctor and they're like, oh, she was like, you just need to eat more flaxseed. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like I, I eat flaxseed, like it's, I'm, I'm doing all of the things and, and just there wasn't really any 
I don't know, seriousness taken towards kind of the pain that I was going through. So anyway, then I think fast forward to when I was going to school, I was still struggling, but like trying different things. Like I tried for a while um, to being vegan. That helped a bit in the beginning with my digestion. Just I think because I was eating so many plants um, and smoothies, which are easy to digest. And then um, I got my period really late in life. So I was about 16 and it took a while to start cycling, but I would say I was about 17, 18 when I went to school and I could just feel like something was off after a while. Things were just not working and my cycles were really inconsistent. And then at the same time, like things were happening a bit later in my degree with my cognition and anemia. I found it was just so difficult to get enough iron to increase my ferritin levels. And then sort of, I was in the middle end of my degree. I went to all sorts of different physicians. My mom's a physician, so she helped me get all these appointments with OBGYNs and gynecologists. And sort of their only real advice was, oh, you know, like all of this would be fixed if you just went on the pill. And like by that point, I'd done enough research to decide that I, I really didn't think that was such a good idea and that I didn't want to do that. And fast forward, oh, there's so many things that happened. But I think one of the bigger things was that when I finally, you know, I went to see a naturopath because it was clear, like, this is just, they've diagnosed me with different things. And they said, there's nothing you can do. This is just what it is. The only thing you can kind of do is, is lifestyle to manage your symptoms. And I really took that seriously. So went to see sort of a naturopathic doctor, um, which is part of the reason why I ended up creating FOCA. Um, was because they wanted me to write down everything I was already recording on mobile on paper so that they could correlate it all for me by hand. And I was like, it was an expensive uh, process for a student. And I just thought a math could do a much better job. And then um, eventually, I would say 10 years after I was 13 years old, I think I was 23, I finally found, um, I would say, some an open-minded gastroenterologist and she handed me this Stanford paper on FODMAPs. And I can't begin to describe to you how after I was like, okay, I'll just try this out. Because I'd been experimenting with all these different things and how that changed my life. Because the problem with having something like FODMAPs is you don't, you know, like different things can affect it, but you never really know what it is because it's so many different things you couldn't just pinpoint one thing and that was a huge moment for me and I think it's really it's changed everything for me and then in terms of the biohacking I think it was 2013 when I started reading about a Dave Asprey article on different things he he did to optimize his cognition and that's kind of what got me into that but yeah I would say I have a very experimental approach to things I'll try it if it makes sense to me and then if it works I'll I'll stick with it and if it doesn't I won't and I think that's kind of what got me here yeah that's kind of one of the main attributes of biohackers in general I think is just like experimenting with your health and seeing what works and what doesn't work 
So for the FODMAP, like I'd love you to just dive into that. What is it? How do you bring it in day to day? Like just explain that because it's a relatively new thing in the mainstream health world. So a lot of people don't actually understand like how to use it or what it means. For sure. So when I was an infant, apparently I had all of these ear infections. So I'm sure I got, or my mother even told me I was doused with a lot of antibiotics. So from a very young age. And what FODMAPs is, it stands for like fructo oligo dye. Um, You can Google it. But they're different kind of sugars compounds. So not glucose. If you're if every sugar molecule, like say um, table sugar, has like glucose, fructose, and um, it's the fructose part of that. So different things in your diets like lactose, which I'd already eliminated, and now it made sense. Gluten-related compounds, things that are high in fructose, so high fructose fruits. So things like bananas never really agreed with me, but apples are a little bit more okay. And and the lowest fructose um, fruits are just berries. So the amazing thing about that was once I went on a elimination of all of these high FODMAP foods, and it is really extensive, cherries, you know, different things, then your gut bacteria starts to change in response to it. So whatever imbalance is being caused starts to die off. And then you can actually have a little bit of cherries if they're in season um, later, but it's just to never overdo it. And so for me, it's like, wow, I don't have to be perfect all the time. Just if I, most of the time eating this way, then, you know, it's okay to make a mistake or to enjoy the moment. And I found that that's been a really empowering thing because if things ever get off balance, I know exactly what to do to kind of reset. And that has been huge for me. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm pretty similar in the way that you think. Like I, I don't think that eliminating food is the actual final answer to the health issues that you're having. I think that there's more of an underlying cause to the reason that you're actually reacting to dairy, gluten, whatever it is. And most, yeah, and most of the time it's gut health. Most of the time it's intestinal, digestive related to the liver. It's like these bigger issues. And if you can get your liver functioning properly, your gut functioning properly, like you said, if you have a bit of dairy, you should be able to like withstand it and and not react to it if you have a strong system inside. So it's working on that I find is like is very helpful and just like switching your thinking to that has been like a game changer for me. But the FODMAP idea is very interesting. I've never done it, but I honestly wonder if I do it without even thinking because I'm like looking at this list yeah. right now. I mean for everybody who's interested, it's pretty extensive. Like it's talking about like cereals, grains, garlic, onion, different types of vegetables. Like it's pretty intense. It is. And you know what? I thought before I had IBS and also my father, but I think because I was in so much pain, like I couldn't, it was excruciating pain. I would, I, I would be in tears. And it was, when you have the, that much pain, like you're willing to do the work and to just do it. And to see the benefits of it for me and knowing that it wasn't a forever thing, it was just something that adjusted. And and back to your point, you know, the normal person can digest a bit of dairy or a bit of 
whatever, and to, to experience life as kind of a more normal gut. It's just been the most amazing gift. So yeah, I, I would say it is an extensive list, but if you're kind of already biohacking, if you're following like the bulletproof diet, it isn't that different, I would say. From, from that kind of, from, from like a clean or diet or a diet that's conscious of ingredients. So um, it, it, I, don't, I find it not that difficult. Like eventually you just remember things and make your choices, whether it's you will eat it or you won't. I don't freak out about that at this point. <laughs> I feel a lot better. So Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's easy to get too wrapped up into those types of things. And the dieting world in general has a lot of issues with it. It can be very restrictive and not have a lot of room for not eating the specific diet that you've chosen. So yeah. I really, I like your approach and I'm glad that you feel better and you feel okay with having a bit of dairy here and there or whatever it is. So yeah, it just shows that like you have a really healthy relationship with food, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I really see it as fuel, right? And so, like, what what concerns me more is just like, oh, am I getting all the nutrition that I need, given that I have some of these restrictions? So, I really try to look at food that way, in that it's kind of about how can you fill yourself with nutrients? Because I know I just I feel a lot better when I feel like I'm getting all, a lot of vitamins from food. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So when your gut is not optimal or it feels a bit compromised what type of symptoms do you get um so yeah this hasn't happened in a long time now i think i've I've been on this roadmap thing for about two years i would say i i I wouldn't go to the bathroom for you know too long (laughs) like it's not normal or i would get the opposite situation happening and then vomiting i mean i all of the things that could go wrong with your digestion definitely uh, went wrong for me. And, and, and the consequence of that really just being a lot of pain and um, not being able to explain why to people you couldn't do things. Like that was the hardest uh, piece was the social implications of being, yeah, kind of having to deal with this and, not, and it being an embarrassing topic and not really wanting to explain it to everyone. Yeah, it's definitely taboo and there's a lot of like hush-hush about it, (laughs) but it's becoming better, I think. I think the gut health craze, I think, is helping for sure. So I know you talk about the gut-brain access. I want to just dive into that. Like, I know it's important for you and what type of, what relationship have you seen between having a healthy gut and having a healthy brain? Oh my goodness, it's it's night and day. So just to back up, what I ended up studying in school was psychology. So I got to learn a lot about neurotransmitters, the brain, even the gut-brain axis. And it just makes so much sense that the foods that you eat are the building blocks of the neurotransmitters in your brain. And they're responsible like serotonin for feeling like happiness, among many other things, dopamine and focus and concentration and renefrin and and feeling alert. And it made so much sense that if you weren't able to break down your food and digest those precursors properly, that it's hard to have a healthy brain. One thing that I know that you're into as as well um, is whenever I feel like I'm not getting the best out of my brain, like a little bit of 
intermittent fasting somehow heals whatever is going on there. And I feel like I can think well again. So yeah, the relationship's been quite important. And then someone quite close to me in my life was unfortunately put on SSRIs. Yeah, this is a big thing in Canada and put on SSRIs when it that wasn't actually the best thing for her and wasn't necessarily needed. But then it was very, very difficult to get off of that. And so through my own research, helping this person who's very close to me helped her figure out that, you know, if you took 5-HTP, which is the, the food precursor of serotonin, that it could make going off the SSRI um, easier. And that was just an amazing sort of night and day experience for both of us. And for myself, I try to apply those principles too, especially for, for dopamine. So I would say that, you know, by and large, whatever I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm usually focused on cognition. And so your gut is just a really important piece of, of that. Yeah. yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that you take supplement wise or even food wise to heal the gut? Not necessarily just like avoiding things, but things to actually heal the yeah. gut, which helps heal the brain. Definitely. So most recently, well, not recently, for the past couple of years, I've been using collagen. I think that that in different types, and I think that has really helped heal the gut lining. I used to use other types of supplements for healing the gut lining as well. It's called marshmallow root and that kind of thing. That's kind of what I've been using for my gut. And then in terms of I want to wake up a bit more like L-triazine for dopamine is something that I use. Lorna Vanderheg has a thyrosmart that has that in it as well. And then I would say the intermittent fasting is always good for resetting my gut if it's a little bit off. And yeah, the way I make my bulletproof coffee is just with the brain octane oil and collagen because I'm a little bit still reactive to dairy. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. And, and also the other thing is digestive enzymes. I try not to take too many because I want to create my own. But um, if I'm ever in a real, um, if I'm ever stuck, that's always something that's helpful for me. And also getting enough magnesium, like learning about when I was younger, magnesium bisglycinate and how a lot of um, magnesiums are like citrates are actually laxatives was super interesting to me. So I think Magnesium's one where um, a lot of us just don't get enough because it's not in the foods the same extent it was a hundred years ago. So yeah, those are different things that I do. And then I just think um, I can notice like if I'm a little bit stressed or I haven't taken time for me, then my gut will clinch up. So I think just, you know, even exercise is important at being outside and just taking time to relax is, is key to stimulating that parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all great ideas. So when you're intermittent fasting, are you doing like no calories until, no. you know, like 12 or one, or are you actually doing the bulletproof way of doing it? Yeah. I would say for me, it's just brain octane oil and coffee usually, nice. but, I, yeah. but I, and then I'll eat maybe like dinner. Yeah. I don't like the idea of, especially for my female body of not eating anything. But I just find like I, I do what feels good, right? Like if I want to fast longer, I will. If I want to eat, I will. It's not really like uh, I just kind of listen to my to my gut. 
Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. Like some days I'll fast and just have water and black coffee until lunchtime. But then some days I'll like fat fast where I'll have a bulletproof coffee or some sort of version of that um, where it's just the coffee and I'm just having fat until the same time where then I start having protein or then I start having carbohydrates. So And that I find works really well, especially like you said, for females, just like watching the hormones, not stressing the body too much with too much fasting. So it's kind of a balance there you have to find. Yeah, definitely. And I've even done for exercise. Like When I was in school, I had this habit of going onto the treadmill every morning before I ate. And the more we're going for a really long run, really lucky there was really pretty places to run. But I thought that over too long can really, I was starting to get adrenal fatigue there as well. So yeah, I think it's everything to just be extra careful with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting you talk about magnesium as a, one of the supplements that helps. I have always taken magnesium for other reasons, not necessarily for gut health, but I need to like look into that correlation a bit more, I think. But usually what... Yeah. So usually I take it for like muscles um, and pain or sleep or stress. It's really good for just like calming the body down. Mm -hmm. But for gut health, I take the best things I found is L-glutamine, which I put in my water. It's just a powder, Mm -hmm. very accessible, very easy to buy. And that helps close like any leaky gut you might have or other gut issues. And then I also try to take, I do cycles of like aloe vera juice, which I need to go get more of right now. And that I found is like one of the biggest game changers for me of like actually healing the gut and being able to eat certain foods and not reacting too much because your gut is now less inflamed. So that's amazing. Oh, and one thing I would add is, and that's so cool, I would love to experiment more with aloe vera. I think it's such a soothing mm-hmm. plant. Yeah, um, exactly. Teammate of mine, Heather's finishing her PhD in health behavior, and she and I have chatted a lot. And she talks a lot about short chain fatty acids and prebiotics. And I think it's so interesting the research on prebiotics and how it can really help um, with those fibers. So that's something that I, I guess, I kind of think about in my food that I've not really um, experimented with. Have you? I find that kind of really interesting. Yeah, it definitely is interesting. Um, I'm a, I, I've looked at it a bit. Like I've looked at how to get it in food. I know that you can get it through like inulin or green bananas, which is something I've been playing with lately. So yeah, green bananas are, they have like less sugar in them. They have more resistant starch. They have more prebiotics in them. So it's healthier for the gut. And yeah, like they're pretty easy to eat, right? Because they still taste good. But how are you getting your prebiotics in? Yeah, so like I I think sweet potato is if it's cold. I've heard that that's a thing. You know, when I when I grew up, I ate a lot of oats, and I'm so partial to oats for sure. Yeah, but I've actually thought more about the actual probiotics because, as you can imagine, I did so much experimentation with them. I've probably tried every <laughs> probiotic um, or the bigger ones available in Canada. And 
I eventually settled on this one called Align. And what it is, is it's the type of probiotic that is um, called Bifidobacterium infantis. So it's available in breast milk or I think vaginal when you're going through the birth canal. That's the kind of bacteria um, you get inoculated with. And that has been really helpful. And I read, once read this article by, I think it was a Bulletproof article talking about the different types of, three different types of bacteria, one of them being histamine forming, one of them being kind of neutral, like with both, and the other one being um, antihistamine. And as someone who's sensitive to everything, I think that uh, taking those antihistamine strains of bacteria has been helpful for me. But yeah, I'd love to get more into prebiotics for sure. Yeah. I'm always hesitant with buying probiotics just because I wonder, will it even make it down to my gut, you know, through my stomach acidity? And it says like on the box, it'll say like 50 billion or whatever, some crazy amount. And I'm like, okay, but how many actually survive to my gut and can actually do something and repopulate down there? Uh, so true. I've heard, um, I don't know if this is 100% true, but even the dead bacteria somehow insulins <laughs> the bacteria in your gut but i i could be wrong again i just think it's it's like experimentation i don't know have you tried biokay i used to try that and i felt like that worked for me but it didn't have a lasting effect or is that the little yogurt ones yeah yeah. yeah i've had them before they made like rice ones that i was having mm-hmm. for a bit it was, I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference I really saw. I'm pretty skeptical of all probiotics, I think, just because like, like I said, like how much of it gets to the gut. And then also my issue is, you know, a healthy gut is a diverse gut. So if you're populating the gut with insane amounts of like three to four strains, it's not really doing much for you. And the science and the technology isn't really there yet to be able to give 20 different strains or 50 different strains at a smaller amount. So the probiotic world right now is a little iffy for me. You're absolutely right. Like it's, it's fascinating, the research. Um, when I was at UBC, there was a researcher doing the microbiome research and kinds of diversity in the guts of African tribes that are still living pneumatically is incredible compared to the average gut flora diversity in North America, and I, I think you're, you're absolutely bang on. I hope that um, science advances to learn from learn from those things, yeah. <laughs> so we can we can all have better gut diversity. Yeah, exactly. And it's also you know you can get the healthy bacteria from going outside and exposing your face and your skin to nature. And like touching the leaves and being out on a walk or a hike, like all of that in those forests on those plants, there is little tiny bacteria and you want to be out there. You want that on your skin. You want to breathe it in. It's also, there's a lot of different ones that are airborne as well. And you can have a healthy gut and healthy microbiome through exposure just in nature itself. Amazing. I totally agree. I had such a I was really lucky in that way. I was outside a lot as a kid with horses too. So I'm sure there's a lot of bacteria. Yeah. Um, but I think it's hard when you live in a city to, to make sure you get that exposure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that's the horses is great. Like it's, I've read quite a bit of research on having a dog and the health benefits of having a dog. And one of them is the bacteria that the dog brings into the home. And it's been shown that kids who grow up with dogs actually have stronger immune systems because they've been exposed to so many different types of bacteria through their pet that they have a stronger immune system. They can fight off things better. They have a stronger gut. They have a more diverse gut. So pets are like, I'm all for them for health reasons. It's amazing. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely like things you can do in order to heal the gut and like promote a healthy gut throughout life. So I'd love to dive into Flocka. I always say it wrong, I swear. <laughs> but if you could tell us what it's about and who it's for and just the vision behind it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Floca, so it's super easy to remember. It's like the mental state of flow with KA is kind of my heritage's uh, ending of a female name. So I would say the mental state of flow, but female. And it comes exactly from the story we chatted about. So, you know, when I was going through all of these issues, I was frustrated because I was tracking my period and meditation and nutrition and fitness in, in all of these different places. And not only did was it all in these different places, but because the, the data wasn't talking to each other, it didn't correlate. And I knew that it could. So with the advent of centralized health APIs, I just saw it as something that was possible. And again, just trying to make it accessible to people for the experience I had with a naturopathic doctor so that I could see um, the math and correlations um, myself and kind of play around with them. And then yeah, it's been an incredible journey. We launched a, a few months ago our MVP, and it's been amazing hearing the feedback and, yeah, and really just connecting with the community. So right now it's available on iOS, and we are building an Android version. It's important to us. Um, yeah, so it's just this holistic approach to your health data. And the other really important piece for us was um, rooting itself in positive psychology. So. Um, my relationship with Heather, who I mentioned before, our shared enthusiasm is really around positive psychology. So um, in the app, it's really focused not on a linear goal or weight loss or anything like that. It's really just focused on helping you feel your best and rewarding you for what you're doing right. Because I don't think anyone needs the slaps on the wrist. <laughs> I think that that exists. So yeah, that's really our vision. And it is for women, especially because, you know, over 50% of Generation Z uses a period app to record their period. And there's all of this data that we can correlate for people um, to other things. And um, it was an important mission to me because there, when I was going through all of my struggles, I spent, you know, like a whole summer diving into the research with my mother, and there are so many gaps in women's health research, particularly in the context of holistic health behaviors. And so to get to answers quicker, it would be, I just kind of could see the power of uh, enabling people to learn from their own data. So yeah, that's, that's our story so far. I love it. Honestly, it's like the perfect app for the female biohacker, just because you're taking all the experimenting and you're correlating it in one place. It's amazing. It's like, 
Like it's, it's so genius. And like, I've done similar things like throughout my health journey of like, you know, write, writing a note on my phone, trying to keep track of like sleep or like meditating or all these different things on like how to feel good and how to feel better. So it's by time that somebody created an app about it. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's really cool once you start using it to see the trends that emerge and to actually make changes based on those trends. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, if there's a long road ahead of us and we're just listening for more feedback of the insights and relationships that our users want, but I'm so excited to hear that from you. It means, means the world. Do you have any new features or big things coming up for the rest of the year? We do. So actually right now, there's a lot in the pipeline, but I think the most immediate thing that's going to happen soon is one of the things that I struggled with as well through the journey was, you know, trying different products, whether they were topical for acne or supplements, and then wanting to see like, is this working for me? Because at any given point, I'm, I'm trying probably a couple things. And so we're going to be giving users the ability to track, you know, if an acne product is related to their acne getting better or not. So I'm excited about that. I think uh, from, a, from a data science perspective, it's, it's pretty cool. And yeah, just giving users power to see what's, what's working for them. Another thing we are really focused on right now is, is the cycle. So adding more insights around that. And then there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot we're working on. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. I like that idea of like tracking the products you use and seeing what effect or impact they actually make. Because it's, it's so difficult with stuff like that. Like sometimes I feel like I try too many things at once and then things will change and then I don't know what it was that caused the change. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's like such a biohacker problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, exactly. And I just, it should be accessible to people. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to chat with you and just hear about your health journey and your app that is doing amazing and is like the perfect app for, like I said, like the female biohacker. So it was awesome to chat with you. I think everyone and myself just learned a lot. Oh, Brittany, thank you so much. And I'm so excited that you're doing a biohacking podcast from a female point of view. I wish this was around um, when I started my journey because there were certainly so many gaps, particularly for young women. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to following your journey. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Vanessa. She's definitely a beautiful person inside and out. And I love chatting with her and having her on. I'm hoping to have her on again soon actually, and have her come into my place and do a episode live, maybe through Facebook or something like that, or just record in person, which will be definitely different from how I've usually done it so far. All of the things we talked about will be in the links in the show notes. So the link to her app and her website as well as the FODMAP and some like resources for that because I know a lot of people are interested in that and it's very new and kind of confusing. So it helps to kind of see some 
charts and diagrams and different things that explain what it is and what you should be eating and not eating and that sort of thing. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to having you back and listen next week.